Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means our full-time fill-in guest panelist, Claire Zotke, is here. Claire is our Healthcare Director here at Citizen Action. Claire, good to see you. Good morning. And Robert Craig, the Executive Director from Citizen Action. I'm having a rough time talking this morning. Robert, good to see you. Great to see you as always, Matt. We're really fortunate to have both of you here. It might be one of the busiest days in uh, certainly my time here at Citizen Action. We have a lot to talk about on the podcast today. We will be talking about impeachment, obviously, last night. The president became the third president to be impeached. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But we have a lot of other news that's really important, uh, including the major court ruling that came out yesterday related to the ACA. We are going to lead with that. Uh, We also have big news. Uh, Citizen Action's national network, People's Action, uh, is announcing today the endorsement of Bernie Sanders for president. So we will be joined by Ryan Greenwood, the political director from uh, People's Action later, to talk more about that. We also have to talk about what's been going on in the state to purge voters. Ah, but let's get started with this ACA court news. Claire, I'm going to go to you first to, to lead our discussion of the Affordable Care Act right last night. You can maybe give us some of the details, uh, but the big news around the court case and around Texas, which we have mentioned numerous times on the podcast, we've been waiting for this decision. Claire, give us the top lines of what the court ruled last night. Absolutely. Uh, This is a big deal. So uh, as background for folks, this was a a lawsuit um, out of Texas. Wisconsin used to be the uh, second plaintiff on this lawsuit until uh, our newish attorney general, Josh Call, pulled us out of it. Um, And this is the lawsuit that uh, challenges the Affordable Care Act in its entirety. Uh, so, so what happened? Uh, late Wednesday night, um, or Wednesday in the day, um, early evening or uh, late afternoon, depending on where you are in the Whatever country. Whatever coast you live on. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the the federal this uh, federal's appeals court ruled that the Affordable Care Act's individual mandate is unconstitutional, um, but it stopped short of striking down the entire law. So this was a two-judge uh, ruling on a three-judge panel in the, the Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals. Uh, they're based out of New Orleans. And basically, they decided that the individual mandate is not constitutional because it uh, cannot be constructed as a tax. Uh, now, remember that previously, the U.S. Supreme Court had upheld the ACA's individual mandate and actually called it a tax. And so uh, part of this is um, linked uh, to the Trump administration's decision to stop enforcing the penalties um, that uh, that folks would face if they did not enroll in health care. Um, that was an Obama uh, legacy policy. Uh, so, so basically, um, aside from that first ruling, the the panel um, remanded or sent um, the rest of the case back to U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor um, out of Texas to determine whether the rest of the law um, could be could be saved and upheld, or basically meaning if the different provisions of the of the law could. Um, exist um, without um, this individual mandate. Um, It's not particularly encouraging news given the judge's political leanings um, and that we saw uh, in the in the last phase of this case which is how it ended up being appealed um, anyways. Uh, So so what does this mean? It means that um, 
this decision is really a political move to delay this really controversial case until after the 2020 election. Um, the Trump administration and Republicans, they want to you know, end health care for millions of people, um, give control of pre-existing conditions back to big insurance. But they know that politically that's really harmful. I mean, we saw that in, in 2010. Or excuse me, oh my gosh, 2010. Uh, where's my brain today? 2018. Uh, 2018. 2018. 2018 um, a, different, a different election. A big important year. Um, when they lost a lot of houses or a lot of seats in the House of Representatives in part because of their efforts to repeal the ACA um, that were sort of not effect not effectual or, or mildly effectual, depending on how you look at them. The big story here is that they don't want to face the consequences of the actions of repealing the ACA again during the 2020 election right. cycle. So sending it back to this judge in Texas is a really good stalling mechanism for them to ensure that this issue um, sort of... Uh, lays dormant for a little bit during 2020. Robert, your thoughts on, uh, on, the, on this ruling? Look, I mean, Claire laid out the, uh, the fair and balanced version, we'll say, to quote <laughs> a certain uh, alleged news source. Let's cut to the quick, right? The conservative movement, which dominates the Republican Party, has been hell-bent, and it is hellish, on repealing the ACA since it was passed, even though it had a lot of Republican elements in it. And they have tried absolutely everything. In fact, they lost Congress over it. And it's, it's sort of like um, a zombie. It keeps coming back and back and back in different forms. They've lost two major federal court cases. They have tried to sabotage at every level. Scott Walker and governors like Walker here in Wisconsin. Trump continues to try to sabotage the ACA, but people need it. Can you just sign up? And people want all the popular protections against discrimination. Uh, not the biggest one being pre-existing condition discrimination, but there are a lot of others. And despite this rebuke, despite not being able to repeal it when they had full control, despite destroying Paul Ryan's political career over this, literally they have another case. A case that a lot of conservative legal scholars thought was a flaky case when it was filed. And now, lo and behold, it goes to a district court judge who's extreme on the extreme right, extreme on the conservative side, which is ex really extreme to be extreme within that current tent, and goes to then this two-judge panel, a Bush and, uh, and a uh, Trump appointee, uh, a Bush Jr., and then a, a Carter appointee. And they not only prevent this from coming before the 2020 election because, God forbid, the public should be able to vote based on what they want to actually do, take health care away 20 million people, but then remand it back to the same extreme right-wing judge that already found the whole Affordable Care Act unconstitutional. And you can... And we'll we'll talk to we'll we'll be we're engaged with legal scholars and Claire can we'll be able to talk to our members and our listeners about the the legal niceties. But here's the thing, right? We make things too complicated as progressives. Sometimes the supposition of this case is is that the federal government doesn't have the power to ban pre-existing condition discrimination, to say that insurance companies have to keep allow, allow children to stay in their parents' policies until they're 26 years old, uh, young adults, to, to ban lifetime and annual limits, to say that insurance has to have cover mental health. By the way, we get all this hand-wring that's not guns, it's mental health, but now the conservative movement in this country wants to 
not allow insurance companies not to cover mental health, to eliminate mental health parity. They claim they care about the opiate crisis. Well, it's the mental health parity provisions and the ACA and the requirements of what is what includes essential care for any insurance policy that means that that opiate addiction and all the other kinds of addiction are covered and you can get treatment, okay? So that is where this conservative movement is and they're shockingly undemocratic and their legal arguments here are about uh, are are at the par with the uh with the defenses of Trump we saw in the impeachment trial this week which were stunning and embarrassing and we'll get to that later but it's that bad don't worry yourselves too much about these legal arguments it's a fix uh, just claire i'm going to get back to you before the break but like listeners let's let's be really clear about this this strategy this legal this is the republican health care plan they don't have another plan this notion that there will be a replacement is not there's no fact and evidence and it is absolutely critical that we actually make this the issue in 2020 because they absolutely intend to repeal and get rid of through the courts the affordable care act and have no replacement i'll just say this before i go to you claire this is why Medicare for all is really critical and part of the debate that as long as you keep this industry on a, on a life support system, the insurance industry, it's incredibly powerful. It will fight this every step of the way. Claire? Yeah, so let's talk about what the consequences of that Republican health care plan are for Wisconsinites. So we know that 130 million Americans have pre-existing conditions, but the estimates in Wisconsin are that between 852,000 and 2.4 million Wisconsinites live with pre-existing conditions. That if the ACA goes away, free preventative care, such as mammograms and colonoscopies, goes away for about 2.8 million Wisconsinites. And that includes over 308 a thousand children. And an estimate from the Urban Institute, which is a major uh, nonpartisan research think tank out of Washington, D.C., estimated that about 153,000 Wisconsinites would lose their health care coverage if the ACA went away. So I want to be very clear with folks. The ACA is still in effect. There have not been changes. I think this is a really important thing. I don't want people thinking that their health care has gone away overnight. It still exists. Um, but we need to be vigilant in defense of the ACA in this next phase of the case. We're going to have to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking about the court ruling on the Affordable Care Act. Um, huge ruling. And just to quickly summarize, right, nothing is going to happen over the next year. This is going to kick the court case into the passed the 2020 election deliberately, but as Claire mentioned in the uh, first segment, this is definitely showing that the thing is incredibly vulnerable, and we, uh, we should be worried that uh, if the politics of 2020 don't work out well, this thing is definitely in jeopardy. Uh, Claire, Robert? Just remember here that even I want to point to how fixed this is and how rigged this is and how undemocratic the conservative movement is and how they're willing to stop at nothing to get their way. Uh, it was Justice Roberts, not the whole uh, U.S. Supreme Court, that decided the ACA was legal because, of it, because it was a tax. That wasn't the other four justices that upheld the ACA. And then it was the Trump administration that stopped enforcing 
the tax for not buying insurance, and then it was in the Trump tax giveaway to corporations bill that the before they left, that the right full right wing Congress before the Democrats took control, got rid of the tax altogether, and then they have the lawsuit to, that's only aimed at one justice, right? Um, in order to try to take away the whole Affordable Care Act. And then William Barr changed the position of the Justice Department. Sessions, uh, not a great liberal, uh, Jeff Sessions, had had a much more limited view. They refused to defend the case. And then Barr has actually filed briefs saying that the whole ACA should be repealed. So this is Trump's health care policy. Matt is correct. And it's amazing how authoritarian they are about this and how they'll stop at nothing to get their way and how they'll also push it beyond the 2020 election so they will, they, the public will never get to weigh in. So we're a state. We, we really like to focus on Wisconsin angles of the politics. So the implication here in, in Wisconsin, um, this is a call out, right? Democrats, we need to have legislation immediately in the state to protect the Affordable Care Act. There is no reason why we couldn't, as a state, do things to protect the Affordable Care Act if this court case goes down. But more importantly, just to make sure that this remains in the political um, uh, people's right on the front of people's minds uh, as 2020 is going, so that their plan to try to have this sort of not be a part of the 2020 political discussion fails. Uh, because it's absolutely critical. And so it's really important on all levels. Uh, not You don't have to just be a fe- in, at the federal government level to support this. And I would, I'm, would look and call to uh, Governor Evers and Democrats in the legislature, we ought to be introducing legislation uh, to remind the public that there are things we can do to protect this. Claire? Yeah, I, ag- I agree with you. Um, and I want to remind folks that, of course, um, the the powers and authority of the federal government are much more expansive than those of the state, that there are limitations to to, um, the number of folks that the state can extend protections to. But it doesn't mean that we don't have a moral imperative to do what we can for those who we can affect. And uh, I would also like to remind folks that um, Senator uh, John Erpenbach um, out of Madison has um, a bill out in the state Senate that that codifies some... Um, ACA-type protections in state law. Um, There is not a companion bill um, fully introduced in the Assembly yet, and we would love to see that happen. We would love for um, the legislature to take this issue up, and if they don't take it up, we want to hold them accountable for that. In fact, I'm going to encourage all our listeners right now, you should reach out to your state legislators right now and encourage them. Also reach out to the governor's office that they need to make this a big issue. They need to be talking about this. This has to be one of the top issues. And it does have state con- connects, right? Whether it be the Badger Care expansion, all of this stuff is, is, is connected. And it's critical that all of our leaders be out talking about this. We cannot let this get swept under the rug. This needs to be a defining issue in 2020. I agree. And 2020 is going to be a perfect year um, to do this. Legislators are going to be back in their home districts after sort of mid-spring to engage. Oh, I'm sorry. Engage with their constituents. um, If we're using C3 language, um, if we're using electoral language to campaign full time. And um, we know that they are going to be going to town hall sessions. They're going to be knocking on doors. And this is the perfect time for us to set 
to set the agenda, set the stage, and say that we think that protections for people with pre-existing conditions, we think that mental health parity, that these are critical protections that need to exist in state law as well as in federal law. And you, my elected official, my representative, are somebody who could be taking action on this. So this is, 2020 is a good year to have this conversation with our elected officials. This is going to be uh, evolving. We're going to be on top of this, and we'll continue to talk more about this on future podcasts. But again, want to encourage folks, reach out to your legislators uh, and the governor's office. So that we need everyone leading on this. With that, we need to switch topics, and we're going to talk uh, about the big news out of our national network, People's Action, that was announced this morning, Thursday morning, uh, that People's Action uh, has endorsed Bernie Sanders for president. So we're really happy to have uh, the movement politics director from People's Action, Ryan Greenwood, to join us to talk more about the endorsement of Bernie Sanders by People's Action. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, love Citizen Action of Wisconsin in the podcast. Well, we're glad you love us, and we are thrilled that you took the time to join us. So tell us, uh, this is big news. It's Thursday morning, and it was just uh, released about an hour ago in Politico. Uh, big news for People's Action. Tell us, tell us what the significance of the Bernie endorsement. That's right. So People's Action members, through a 73.6% vote of our delegates' assembly, voted to endorse Senator Bernie Sanders for president. And we're also noting in the endorsement the, uh, the strength of uh, Senator Warren and Secretary Castro's campaign as, as good second choices for our members. Uh, but we're proud Bernie um, as a candidate um, has kind of consistently seen through the, the haze of a sort of profit before people economy um, for decades um, and has really risen to and responded to our um, members' demands for a uh, big change in the country. Hey, so Ryan, you, you said you mentioned uh, members' demands. This process had a significant engagement of the People's Action, sorry, People's Action uh, organizations, of which there's 40 uh, nationally, and uh, included forums. Talk more about that, because that's really important about how this decision was reached. Sure. All uh, People's Action member organizations uh, get to elect two delegates um, to uh, the People's Action Delegates Assembly. We met a year and a half ago, and uh, those 80 folks said, we want a people's presidential campaign um, that, yes, does figure out if there is a, a candidate who um, we think would be um, the strongest to win and enact a shared agenda but does the campaign in a way that really puts um, the issues that we care about um, in the center of the debate. And so through this People's Presidential Campaign, uh, we formed a people's platform, and those sets of demands, things like uh, a homes guarantee, things like improved Medicare for all, and free college for all, 100% just clean energy for all, we deeply engaged the candidates. Uh, we held two people's presidential forums, uh, one in Des Moines uh, that was attended by um, Senator uh, Sanders, our endorsee, plus Senator Warren, Secretary Castro, and, and Mayor Buttigieg, um, and then another one in Nevada. 
in some single candidate events in New Hampshire. And they let our, uh, it was a great time for members to go in depth with the presidential candidates and talk both about where they're at on our issues, their, you know, kind of their history. So not just where are they at now, but where have they been? Um, but also how they're actually elevating the issues that we care about in the campaign and then going to actually govern on them in conjunction with progressive movement organizations like People's Action and all our member groups across the country. So, Ryan, um, obviously, there I assume there will be a large campaign mounted in support of uh, Senator Sanders and opportunities for folks who want to get involved, possibly, say, Iowa, not too far away, has a, has a caucus coming up. Uh, do you want to preview in the last minute here uh, the potential uh, up, up ahead for people to get involved and uh, make a difference and actually make uh, Bernie Sanders, President of the United States, a reality? Fantastic. Yep. Two primary ways. Uh, folks should uh, go to peoplesaction.org, sign up, uh, make a donation today to support our work to elect uh, Bernie Sanders president. Um, and then uh, number two, we've got a very uh, strong set of uh, member organizations in Iowa and New Hampshire, some of those early states. Um, and so folks in, in Wisconsin, we're going to be hitting the doors, hitting the phones, talking to voters, people who don't usually get talked to um, about uh, presidential campaigns or the Iowa caucuses about Senator Sanders and about the issues that they confront in their lives, our people's platform, and Sanders is the best candidate to enact them. So you can sign up on our website, and we'd love to uh, have you all join us on the doors in Iowa. I know uh, just across the, the border from Driftless and other parts of the state where Citizen Action Wisconsin members are listening. Well, Ryan, we thank you so much for joining us to share this news. We will obviously have a lot more. We'll have details down the road about how folks can get involved in Iowa or other places helping out uh, uh, Senator Sanders. Thanks so much, Ryan. Uh, and uh, I suppose this has been grueling for you. You can sleep tonight. <laughs> After the debate. <laughs> and and, and then late after the debate, and then get up and onward to organize. Awesome. Um, huge thanks to you all in Citizen Action Wisconsin. Core, core part of what we do happening, happening in Wisconsin. All right. Thank you, Ryan. And with that, we got to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin again. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. Great to have Ryan Greenwood, the Movement Politics Director from Political from one of those days from People's Action. Jeez, you know, I went to a Milwaukee Admirals game and I think I left my brain there last night. Um, we need to move on. We have to talk a little bit about impeachment here, folks. It's what? the third segment. It's supposedly the biggest issue in the country, and uh, we'll get to it in the third segment. So. Robert, I'm going to have you lead with your thoughts on impeachment. Uh, we had we had the vote last night, um, and it was what we thought, you know, party line vote. But the president is now the third president in the country to be impeached. Your thoughts? And the first in his first term. And it was surreal. <laughs> Look, the only people in this process acting on principle whatsoever are the Democrats in this. And I, I would debate any nonpartisan person on that, seriously. I mean, this is, it's embarrassing what's happened with the Republican Party, which I will get to. 
But as far as the Democrats, yes, they're still politicians. Yes, they calculated things like timing. Okay, yes, they did polling, like the Republicans don't do polling, right? But they actually are taking a huge risk on something that may not even help them win the election, may help reelect Trump, okay, and may lose them Congress. So when you want to think about principle, think about whether someone's taking a political risk or not, or whether one is just being a cipher for the for the opinion of the moment, or what, or you know, fear of a Donald Trump or fear of primary voters, which is what the Republicans are. What's embarrassing about this is, I've been waiting since this process began for to hear a conservative argument that was a legitimate defense of Donald Trump, and it's embarrassing. It's it's sort of like your defense attorney and your client was caught on tape at a mall killing someone, and they're dozens of witnesses and it's all on video and then you get up and process and say this is the fastest murder trial in the history of the state fill in state or city i didn't get the ability to speak right and all sorts of you know and 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 this is the case where the person gets to deny withhold all the documents and prevent anyone from testifying then they say we don't have enough direct testimony even though there's enough to indict which is what an impeachment is more than enough already on the record very clearly on the record. I mean, not only the, 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 the transcript of the, of the phone, right, of the phone call, but even Trump admitting that he was trying to get them to investigate his opponent on the White House lawn in front of the whole media in plain sight. It's a confession, okay? But then we got the most bizarre surrealistic debate where one Republican demanded a moment of silence for the 63 million that voted for Trump, uh, someone actually accused, uh, uh, compared Trump to Christ on the cross being crucified. Wow, wow. Which is just stunning. How far, and, this is, and the evangelical right supports this. So literally we've gotten to the point where Trump's been deified. And can you imagine a less Jesus-like figure than this? So, and now they're screaming bloody murder because uh, Nancy Pelosi has the temerity not to send it over to the Senate right away and try to use a little leverage in delaying sending it over to find out what the heck's the process going to be over there. Since it's clear that Mitch McConnell is now, has it said, admitted he's working hat and glove with the lawyers for the defense and he's supposed to be the the, the lead juror. Uh, My response to that is, wow. Uh, Claire, your thoughts on uh, this historic impeachment. I have so many thoughts. Uh, <laughs> the top so, one. <laughs> the top one. Uh, okay, so let's start briefly with um, what's going to happen next. So theoretically, if it works the same way that it did last time, what will happen is that, um, that there will be much less, if any, um, sort of grandstanding and debating between uh, senators um, in this next phase as there was in the in the House during the debate that we saw on Wednesday. Uh, so uh, in this case, um, it is going to run much more like a trial where the senators are just going to sit there and listen, which I think will be, well, theoretically at least, uh, which will be a, a big change from how we normally see um, uh, legislators in Congress. Um, And then uh, the uh, president's uh, lawyers will present um, a defense and um, the people who will speak for um, impeachment um, will will present their case. And the chief judge of the U.S. Supreme Court will 
preside over the proceedings, although um, he is very unlikely to actually do anything. Um, when Rehnquist, uh, former um, Chief Justice Rehnquist, did this in the 90s in, during the uh, Clinton impeachment um, uh, trial in the Senate, um, he, he basically just sat back and did, and did nothing and said, my job is to do nothing and to do it well. Um, and it's so, a ceremonial <laughs> position. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, so it will be a rare and interesting occurrence to see a, a justice on the Senate floor, um, but, but don't expect him to do anything. Um, so, so there'll be, like I said, sort of these two dueling sets of lawyers will speak. Senators won't. Um, and then I presumably there will be some sort of vote at the end. Um, so, so that's one thing that I think people are don't maybe I certainly until I started reading about it um, did not understand or remember what exactly would happen. And well, I mean, quite frankly, uh, McConnell is speaking this morning some long uh, meandering floor speech accusing the Democrats of all sorts of things. He's well, claiming they've they've broken all precedent, which seems to be an indication. Maybe Mitch will break precedent too. So we th shall three, see. Like there's what, what right. Come on. And there's a big debate about whether witnesses will be heard. Why don't we hear from John Bolton? Why don't we hear from Mick no uh, Mulvaney, the uh, chief of staff, who also confessed and then reversed his confession in a press conference? Yeah, absolutely. He told us to get over it, that this is how politics work, that we use the military might of the uh, of the whole United, Sta United States in order to help the political prospects of a, si of a single president. So I want to switch topics a little bit to, to particular individuals. I'm going to start with one. First, I'm going to mention we have talked about Ron Kind, and Ron had been not really taking a position. He obviously supported impeachment last night. And uh, so that that's of note, and there'll probably be a lot of media over the next few days around mm -hmm. that and a lot around Kind in his district. So that'll be interesting to watch, and maybe we'll talk more about that next week. But Claire, I wanted to ask you a question, because you're a former elected. You sat on the Milwaukee School Board, which, by the way, for mm -hmm. people who don't know, that's a billion-dollar budget no. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, a significantly large operation, highly political. Did you ever... Just vote present? Never. Never. Why not? <laughs> because unless they are calling you and asking if you are literally in attendance, I think it is a it is a perversion of your role to just vote present. When you are an elected official, it is your job to show up and make difficult decisions. And I cannot imagine as a member of Congress there being a more difficult decision than voting on the impeachment of a president. And there's only one present vote, right? Yes. I'm, and, of course, talking about Tulsi. Which, look, I mean, if, if, if she were a member of Congress from somewhere and not running for, like, let's say president, um, it maybe wouldn't be worth dedicating a few minutes of our segment too, but this is but this is a person who was running for president of the United States, yes. and if she can't be trusted to take seriously and make a difficult decision as a member of Congress, how are we supposed to trust that she could do that as president? And so, yeah, she deserves to be called out for that. Yeah, and I don't know if Hillary's right that she's a foreign agent. I tend to doubt that, <laughs> but this is very weird. The other it's thing, so, I, it's super weird. It's weird, it's but he's, she's not in the debate. I don't want to <laughs> dwell on her too much. It was well good to point out, but I do want to say this. We've talked in Democrats, and we have talked about how if you don't impeach for this, you don't have an impeachment clause, and that the founders were not wrong. They were right that you need an impeachment clause, that a, a corrupt president who was authoritarian could destroy our liberty and be reelected. Trump could be reelected. We all know that, uh, particularly with the rigged electoral college. But with what they're defending, how the Republican defense has gone, 
I have a question. We don't know what the logical stopping point is for the modern right-wing movement, what it wouldn't defend, because we're pushing the boundary of what they would be, not only defend, but be fully unified in defending, right? They had full unity. And so I don't know. This is why people are going to, there's a lot of rhetorical inflation on cable news and on talk radio, but I'm serious. This is what you call proto-fascism and the early stages that lead, if they're not dipped in the bud, to authoritarianism because it's not clear that the right-wing movement that controls the Republican Party, it's not sure what the stopping point is. I mean, would they really unify against abrogating the First Amendment? I, I don't know at this point because I don't, this, they keep pushing the boundary of what they're willing to be unified in favor of. Claire, do you have anything else you want to say? No, just just that I agree. Um, I, I think none of us are under any illusions that the president is um, particularly likely to be removed from office given the makeup of the Senate and the fact that no Republicans broke from the party in the House during that vote. Um, but uh, but it is important that that we in history are recorded as um, being on, on the right side of this issue, on the right side of the Constitution. Um, and, and so even if somebody were to call this symbolic, um, it, I don't think it's symbolic at all. It is, it is an affirmative defense of, of the Constitution and an affirmative defense of what we believe in in democracy and in the United States. And we have a movement that has control of a, of a whole party which it, which does not give a darn about any basic constitutional democratic norms. And we see this with the ACA case as well and the willingness to just kill people, which is what it does, to take away their health care. And this is extremely dangerous because if authoritarianism comes to America, it will not come with a swastika on it. It will come wrapped with the accoutrements of American patriotism, like the modern Republican Party. With that, we are going to have to take a break here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back. You're listening to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We've been talking about impeachment in an earlier segment. We talked about the Affordable Care Act ruling. So uh, if you are just joining us, uh, listening on radio, please go back and listen to that on our podcast. Uh, we also announced earlier in the show that uh, People's Action, our national network, endorsed Bernie Sanders uh, today, Thursday. Um, and we've spent some time talking about impeachment. Which we should clarify that Citizen Action's endorsement is separate. So we, but we members can participate, but we have not yet endorsed in the presidential. So um, with that clarification, um, I do want to move forward. Actually, before we do that, I do want to mention tonight, Thursday night, there is a debate, and I know it'll be over by the time most of the folks listen, uh, but this debate was very interesting because, not just because it's at my alma mater, Loyola Marymount, go Lions. Uh, union busting, no. Hey, union busting, they have a union. Okay. And they just got a contract that pays them significantly enough, more enough. money. It is a it is actually somewhat of a historic contract. And I'll just say this as someone who uh, went to Loyola Marymount. I remember the food service workers, right? These are some of the hardest working people you could imagine, right? Absolutely. And almost all Latino, just to be clear. And serving a a you know a more white, right, privileged population. And so it was great to see that they were able to leverage the pressure of this presidential uh, debate to actually uh, support workers. So that's some good news. But I need to switch topics. We have to talk about what's been going on here in the state related to the purge of about a quarter of a million voters that, as of yesterday, with uh, a recent 
court decision looks like it's likely to go forward. Robert, this is um, this is huge. Uh, it gets back to part of what we've been talking about in terms of what Republicans are really about. Wisconsin is clearly going to be the top battleground state for the presidential. This is nothing more than another effort to suppress voters, Robert. Well, this is the danger. It's very similar to the impeachment defense in, in a lot of ways, and it's very similar to the Affordable Care Act lawsuit. So literally, they will use any means to hold power. And we know that includes making sure that only that their voters are more likely to vote than people who might vote against them. And they're certainly willing to use inequality against people by creating differential standards to make it hard for low-income people, people who, 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 who simply struggle to keep food on the table and, 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 a, and a roof over their head, to be able to participate in the most fundamental thing you can have as an American, the right to vote. And so, they, and now we've had this bizarre situation where a, a Koch brother and Bradley Foundation funded, the, the right-wing conspiracy organ, uh, foundations group, Will, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, shopped for the right jurisdiction to file it in Ozaki County in the red part, very red part surrounding Milwaukee area, uh, heart of, the, of Walker land, and got this decision that there is some sort of, it's not in state law, talking to uh, election commissioners, which I've done this week. They've invented a 30-day rule for removing people who don't, don't, report, don't, don't respond uh, to, to a postcard clarifying their address on the possibility they don't have the same address. This is based on national database. The election commission says there's at least a 7% error rate. Okay, And so they've now found another way to try to, sw to, to swing the election for Trump, and remember, we already have a rigged situation where Wisconsin, I mean, it help, probably helps our economic development, but we play a disproportionate share where our votes count more than people in California, New York, or Texas. And now we're going to literally have a voter purge designed to swing the election to, uh, to, to Trump. It is part and parcel of a broader conspiracy by the far right uh, to, to, to snuff out the basic institutions and values of our society. Uh, Claire, your thoughts? Uh, I will. Yes, I agree with all of that. Um, and I would add that this affects people from um, sort of all walks of life, but in particular, um, folks who, um, to Robert's point, um, are, are more likely to um, be uh, disenfranchised anyways. Um, so I know from um, my time working in county government when I had to orchestrate contacting um, a number of folks about uh, transit benefits, that a lot of folks register their addresses um, if they are um, homeless, for example, will register at, um, uh, from the mission here in Milwaukee, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name. The rescue uh, mission? The rescue, yep. yeah, yeah, so, so um, and then, and those letters all get bounced back, right? Um, because they can't be distributed to folks who may or may not be there. Um, my sister, for example, um, <laughs> recently um, uh, moved in with me and, and got one of these postcards as well, right? And so um, this affects all different um, kinds of people, but um, disproportionately folks who are who are less likely um, to be voting, and that is um, as, as voting is sort of one of the one of the core constitutional rights that is afforded to folks in this country. Um, to take that away from them um, is is atrocious. To uh, everyone, and Matt and I back in the day worked for SEIU and with a lot of low wage workers in Milwaukee. These folks, because of how expensive housing is and what their incomes are, move a lot. And so they move a lot more than middle-class people in the suburbs, and they're the ones targeted by this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's worth pointing out, t over 20% 
of the purged voters are going to be in Milwaukee, right? In, in case anyone yes. thinks that this doesn't have very specific impacts. Um, and look, uh, shout out to all the uh, folks from Milwaukee who went to had two separate events this week in Milwaukee to raise attention to this. And there will be a number of uh, Milwaukee leaders who are going to be doing everything they can at the local level to try and uh, prevent this purging because it's 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 absolutely huge that we could lose that many voters. And by the way, the the argument on the other side for why we need to oh, do this is no, absurd that we need clean lists. It's just They're claiming ridiculous. that there's a corruption thing with no evidence of any corruption or any 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 voting that it that that it that it's illegitimate or anything. And and right wing judges, this is where the this is and you know the, the US Senate is continuing to mint right wing judges at a huge rate that Trump is appointing, right? These are not real judges. And so they will find the right wing arguments to be true. And so that's the problem we have here, right? That just as we don't trust the U.S. Supreme Court, the rigged one, to uphold the ACA and uphold federal powers that have been taken for granted for 75 years, we don't trust this five to two state Supreme Court uh, majority to do anything that's ever other do, do, done other than support what the Republican position is. We know they would have thrown out the lame duck laws if a Democratic legislature had done them and a Democratic governor. Let me... Um a lot of this stuff is kind of behind the scenes. People don't really know much about the election commission, but it is worth pointing out that it's split 3-3, which locked this. And I do think it's worth pointing out in, in giving uh, congratulations to two leaders on that uh, uh, on the commission who have been fighting uh, for, the, for, for, for the rights of voters here, and that's Ann Jacobs and Mark Thompson, who played an important role on this. It is also worth pointing out another person on the election commission, and that's Bob Spindell who was appointed, he has turned out to be very conservative. In fact, he admitted that he was actually approached by Will to be a, uh, uh, a plaintiff in the case, which is crazy, and then he votes on it. And who appointed him? He was appointed, uh, I think, by Walker, right? Yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah, he replaced, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember who he replaced, uh, but yeah, he was actually from Milwaukee area, but he is, he is, he's been voting with the conservatives on this, and the notion that he might have been a plaintiff in the case and then that gets to go like rule on it in this will organ like so we have an ugh. appeal underway though the appellate court right wouldn't uh, actually hold it up and is but is considering it and then we have a federal lawsuit filed by the league of women voters so we uh, look. We're going to have to continue to to track this. Um, one thing that I do want to point out that um, no matter what. One of the really critical responses to this is we just got to get involved, right? Like, it is very important. Uh, if you at all had any illusions that, like, things had changed, um, <laughs> this blows it off, right? Like, they are, they're going to do everything they can to win this election. We need people to get involved in this election. We need to be out registering and talking to voters. Um, and one thing that I think everybody ought to do is go go online and go check and make sure your registration uh, is still solid and share that on Facebook. We'll put a link to the state site so you can go on and check your site. But it is really important just to make sure, and especially next year after if they purge these, uh, when they go if and when they go through with this, to go check that site and make sure for some reason you were not one of those and, people purged. And you make a great point. There's an all-out salt in democracy. We all have to respond, and every Democrat needs to. Shout out to to uh, 
Ben Wickler, the new chair of the Democratic Party, immediately came out and didn't just say this is awful. He said, we're going to call every one of these voters and try to get them yeah. re-registered. And that is the right response. Let's engage these folks, Claire. Yeah, I'd also say if, if it's not too late for you, if, if you're somebody who's moved and you can just change your address instead of having to entirely re-register to vote, you can do that online. And it's a lot easier than having to show up at the polls and re-register on the same day of the election and go through the whole process again. Um, it, it's just a lot easier. And I would encourage folks, if you are on the sort of move list when you check your registration to just go ahead and try to chase, see if it's too not too late for you to just change your address. Shout out to Anita Johnson. Yeah. Uh, she has always got clear mind on this, and that has been her response. She's, of course, appalled that they're doing this, but she's like, look, the, the only way to properly respond is to encourage everybody to register and vote and get a part of being on the machine uh, to actually change who's elected next year. And so uh, that is the proper response. And be you mentioned Ben Wickler, right? Like, more democracy. We have got to double down and make sure we're talking to as many people as possible and engaging them and giving them a reason to vote. That's a critical thing, right? A lot of these folks may not be voting in other elections because they don't see the reason why. And that is really the lesson to us. We have to be active uh, in the 2020 election. But with that, we got to wrap this up. We have, there's so much we could talk about, but the show is over. I want to thank our guest, Ryan Greenwood from People's Action, coming on and talking about the People's Action endorsement of Bernie Sanders. And as always, want to thank Brian Woodridge, our producer, who makes the podcast happen every week. We will see y'all next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.